0: Praise the Lord. You may take your seats tonight. Last uh, Wednesday uh, was the first part just in these messages of the healing in the body. And it's a prayer um, as we've been praying for many of those physically unwell, believing and knowing that by his stripes we are healed. But we know, just as I shared uh, in, in prayer, that the Lord impressed very much on my own heart, that what needs healed in these days is his body spiritually. There needs to be a spiritual healing in the body of Christ, both here locally and and in a wider context of that. But, you know, in that healing and tonight, as we just move a little bit more forward, and I think just uh, the Lord will bring some revelation, I pray, just to you fresh. But, you know, it requires the ministry of the Holy Spirit For there to be healing, these songs that we have been singing tonight is so in line with the Word of God uh, and what the Lord has put on my heart tonight to bring to you. But it requires ministry uh, of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And we, we need God to move. And everyone, as I said last week, has a responsibility as a member of the body of Christ, if you're saved tonight, you've been baptized into the body of Christ. That's the born again experience. And Him, Christ, being the head, and we being the members of that body, fitly framed together as the body of Christ, each and every single one of us who are saved in this room tonight have a part to play to minister the grace and the life. Uh, by the Holy Spirit and through faith into that body for it to grow, for it to function as he has purposed. I want to show you what the great privilege and the unique privilege that every one of us that are saved in this room have. If you turn over to Hebrews uh, chapter 4, and we know these verses possibly pretty well, um, but just afresh to look at them tonight. And I pray just as we are reading them, that something of the fresh revelation of the word of God would come into our hearts tonight, that this wouldn't be reading words, but there would be a revelation by the spirit of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter four and verse 14 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now here's the the revelation. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So we see here the wonderful privilege of the believer That the believer can enter into the throne of grace by the blood of Jesus. The veil has been rent from the top to the bottom. We have full access as a believer tonight. Every believer in this house has access by faith through the blood of Jesus right into the throne room of God. You know, I was listening to a song. It's called The Throne Room. And halfway through the, 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 the ministry of this song, the worship leader says, Now worship Jesus like you've just walked into the throne room. Now listen, friends, tonight when, when I heard those words, I want to, it was a challenge, but it was a wonderful thought that we are to worship him even though we have entered into the throne room, do we worship Jesus like we have just entered into his throne room? And yet the Bible says clearly here that every one of us have access right into the throne room of God where we can find help in the time of need. We can obtain mercy. We can access the throne of grace in a very needy hour. And we enter in through faith right into the throne room of God. And friends, just think about that for a moment. That access, that faith, that privilege, that that unique privilege that we have To enter into the throne of God. Now I know physically if you were to enter in. If you were to walk in a physical sense. If it was possible into the throne room of God. I would say that our worship would be very different. Because suddenly we would realize the wonderful privilege we have as sinners saved by the grace of God that we have access to this great throne and Christ that sits upon that throne that we can find mercy and help in a time of need. I think our worship would be completely different. And it's this revelation that by the Spirit of God that it would come afresh to every heart in this room. You and I have a unique privilege A unique privilege to come to the throne of grace in such an hour as this—a time of great need—but we come as worshippers. And he bids us to come through the veil, as it were, by faith and by the blood of Jesus Christ right to the throne of grace tonight. Friends, that should change everything of our perception and our understanding and even break the shackles of reservation or the flesh or fear. We have a right to come to the throne of grace tonight and we can find mercy and help in a time of need. Worship Jesus like you've just walked into the throne room. What an awesome privilege we have. If you turn back into Ephesians there, chapter four, Ephesians chapter four and verse fifteen and verse sixteen says we quoted it last week, but speaking Ephesians four fifteen, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. From whom, now verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint, every joint, every joint supplies. Listen to me, friend, tonight, every believer in this room, and I stress this, I know I've mentioned it several times over these weeks, every believer has a responsibility to supply into this body. You have something that this body needs, and you must bring that into this house and minister out of the grace that God has given you into the body of Christ for this body to grow the way God wants it to grow. Every believer, listen, not just the people that stand at the front or the man at the back, but every believer in this room, male or female, regardless Of whether you're educated or not. Regardless of your status in this world. As a believer in Christ. You have something to put into this body that I need. That every person in this room needs, whether it's a testimony, whether it's a prayer, whether it's a song, whether it's an encouragement, whatever that may be. Whether it's a a ministry through the word, whether it's a gift, whether it's a tongue, whether it's a prophecy, whatever that may be. But every believer in this room, there's diversity of gifts. We know that. But everyone's essential to the maturing and the growing of this body. And so we have something that someone else needs. Someone needs to hear your prayer. Someone needs to hear your cry. Someone needs to hear your testimony. Someone needs to hear how you got healed. Someone needs to hear how you came through the valley. Someone needs to hear how you were sustained in the midst of the fire. Someone needs to hear how God came and he plucked you out of that circumstance. Someone needs to hear when you had no money in the bank, when the bills were stacked high, but yet supernaturally and wonderfully and powerfully he supplied your need. Someone needs to hear that. So the supply comes and when the testimony comes, and when the prayer comes, when the song comes, when the ministry comes, when the prophecy comes, when the gift comes, when the tongues come, and the interpretation comes, the body then begins to grow and mature. Every person's essential to the body. That's what Paul's writing. He says, Every joint supplies according to the effectual work, working, and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so, as we are looking at the healing of the body, I want you to note tonight that in our reading in Psalm 133, I see this revelation that we see here as Christ himself. He's our great high priest. He's our living head. He was given the spirit without measure, John three thirty four. The anointing of the Holy Ghost was upon him. And he said, if you come to me, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. The same spirit, the same anointing he would give to us that we would minister out of that anointing through faith. We need a fresh anointing. We need for ministry. Now, when we talk ministry in modern terms is somewhat changed. But I'm talking about servanthood. To be a servant in the house of God. To serve one another. And to reach into this world with that heart of Christ and humility. We need an anointing to do that. You can't do it just by your own efforts. We can't do it just because we have talents. We must do it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh anointing brothers and sisters. The body of Christ needs a fresh anointing. We can't borrow from yesterday. We can't go on yesterday's blessings. And thank God for all of them. But we need a fresh anointing upon the body. And the members in particular. That means you and I need an anointing to do what God has purposed us to do. Now if you turn over into Exodus chapter 30. I want to look at this anointing oil for a moment. And if you follow this through with me tonight, I believe the Lord will show us something afresh. But Exodus chapter thirty and verse 22. Now in that Old Testament, we know that, that anointing oil was essential for the service of the, the priesthood, the high priest within the sanctuary of God. And so here in Exodus 30, we see this, this precious ointment and it's how it was made. Exodus 30 verse 22. Moreover the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thy also unto thee three unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh five hundred shackles, and of sweet cinnamon half so much, even two hundred and fifty shackles, and of sweet calamus two hundred and fifty shackles, and of cassia five hundred shackles, after the shackle of the sanctuary, and of oil, olive, and hen. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. Now this word apothecary in the Bible times is the maker of perfumes. It's the maker of perfumes. So this is what's important when we hear this tonight. The whole, as as those priests put these precious, uh, as it were, Uh, different spices together in the oil, and they they put it all together. There was a fragrance that came from that precious ointment. And we know that the, the anointing oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You know, what we need in the world that stinks with sin and depravity is an anointing, a fragrance, that, that goes beyond just in a room, but there is a fragrance that comes from our lives in a world that's so filthy. And that's what we were. That's such were some of you. and such That's what I was. Filthy, rotten sinner, but see it by the grace of God. And there's a fragrance that should come from our lives that impacts the world. A life lived is better than a thousand sermons preached. A life lived is not so much how great a preacher we are, it's the fact that there's a fragrance that comes from our lives that impacts the world around us. These people are different. These men, is there anyone else like you? I've never met men like you before. Why? There's a fragrance. It's the grace of God, it's the anointing that comes from that life. Now look at this it says, It shall be an holy anointing oil, and thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of The testimony and the table and all the vessels and the candlestick and the vessels and the altar of the incense and the altar of burnt offering with all the vessels and the laver and his food. And thou shalt sanctify them that they may be most holy whatsoever touches them shall be holy. Now just stop there for a moment. You've just noticed something that absolutely everything in the sanctuary was anointed with this oil. Everything was anointed with this oil. It just wasn't at the front or the back or the side or to the left. It was absolutely every vessel that was in that sanctuary needed the anointing oil upon them. This is a principle that we need to see. Every believer in this room needs the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need it, friends. We need the anointing. We need a fresh anointing. We can't have steel uh past experience we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon our lives. Verse 30 says, and I shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me. They may minister unto me. Look at it says in the priest's office. This is so important. They'll minister unto me in the priest's office. And I shall speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout all your generations. So, in order to function, for 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 in order for the function in this priestly office, they needed an anointing. There had to be an anointing upon their lives in order that they would function in the sanctuary. Remember, we can go to the throne of grace. We can find mercy, we can obtain grace, and we can find help in a time of need. In the New Testament, when we come into the New Covenant, we have become part of the body of Christ. But every single believer has been called with a purpose in that body to minister unto him and to minister one to another. This, this, this priesthood or the priest to minister was to officiate as a priest. It's not the title. It's not the title that, that men we give to themselves, but it's actually ex- execute the minister of that priestly office. Now, I want you to follow it through with me. Just remember that as we move into the New Testament. If you go right over for me tonight into Revelation chapter 1, and then we're going to 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to show you something about the New Covenant, about what we're in about our part in that, and how we can take the principles of the old and apply them to the new very easily. Revelation 1 and 5. Revelation 1 and 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us Praise the Lord from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. He hath made us kings and priests. Now, I want you to follow this for a moment. If you just go back into 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, remembering we're looking at that priestly office in the old testament the necessity of the anointing oil the fragrance that would come in that ministry and we're remembering also psalm 133 if you can remember all that we're doing well but 1 peter 2 and 5 now we're looking at this spiritual house the bible says ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house then what does it say we are we are a holy priesthood. We are a holy priesthood to offer up. There's a purpose in the priesthood of the believer. We are here to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, here as we gather as a spiritual house, every one of us is lively stones. We have been placed into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God, and we have a purpose in common. We're not here to warm a seat. We're not here to be a pew warmer. We're not here to be a spectator. We're not here just to fill up the gaps and just to fill up the numbers. We have a purpose when we come together as a spiritual house, as a, as the priesthood of believers to offer up spiritual sacrifices. By the mercies of God, present yourself. What as a living sacrifice? That there's something of a fragrance that comes up when that body and individual members collectively, individually come together and they begin to minister into that body, minister unto God, worship God like we have just walked into the throne room. There's an anointing upon our lives. There's a fragrance that begins to come from that that's so precious when the brethren dwell together in unity. There's something very unique happens. And God saying, I want to bring you out of where you are, perhaps just in a sense of going through emotions, or perhaps even that, that has just been something more of a tradition. I want to move you into a place where you experience what this is really like. That there's a real deep sense of the ministry of the Holy Spirit through every member of the body of Christ and every joint supplies because there's an anointing upon their life and there's a fragrance that comes. And then what happens, friends? You won't and I won't need to do anything because this world will know that Jesus is here. Why? Because there's a fragrance that comes from this. It affects the spiritual realm. It it affects the heavenlies. It affects the principalities and powers. Because the same Jesus that walked this earth in a human frame. And walked this earth with the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon him. And went about doing good. Healing all. Delivering all. And setting all free. That's the same anointing that God wants to pour through his body. Now the focus is not the title of a priest. The supreme sacrifice has been made. We are not here to flog ourselves, to beat ourselves, to crawl over rocks, to go through all the motions of good works. Thank God that the sacrifice has been made once and for all. That's Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. But here we see the priesthood. They needed that anointing, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. To function in that body. Now, the anointing always flows downward, always flows downward. At Kim, Luke and Psalm 133, it is like the precious ointment upon the head. And what does it say? That ran down. So the anointing doesn't come from any individual man, doesn't come from us working something up. It always comes from the head. That's Jesus. And it comes into every aspect of the body. And he wants to fill his body with the fullness of himself. He wants to fill us through and through, not just in measure, but to overflowing. And so here we see the anointing of the Holy Spirit's essential, but it never touches the flesh. Never. The anointing is never upon the flesh, no matter, no matter how advanced that flesh may be, no matter how attractive that flesh may be, no matter how wonderful that flesh may be, no matter how intellectual that flesh may be, no matter how religious that flesh may be, the anointing never comes upon the flesh, ever, never. We are told, and I won't go into it in a deep way tonight, because we know but the flesh, there's only one answer for the flesh. The Bible says that is to be crucified on the cross. No matter how great it is, no matter how wonderful it is, no matter how even it may come across as amical or how likable, but the flesh is the flesh is the flesh, and the flesh produces one thing, it's death. And the flesh is never anointed. Never. And so we know that from scripture. So the anointing's flowing from the head, but what it saturates, just follow this through with me tonight. What it saturates when it comes on the head, then the beard, it saturates the priestly garment. I want you to stick with me tonight. This is so important. And I believe that it is going to help some and hopefully encourage us all. The garment was saturated with the anointing. It just wasn't a trickle. But it says that it was saturated with this anointing oil. It was poured out upon the head. Running down the beard. Right down the garment even to the skirts. That priestly garment is actually crucial for the authority that we have to function in the body of Christ. This priestly garment. This garment the priest had to put on a specific garment. It had to be anointed. We know there was the sacrifice, but for him to enter into the holy place and then the holy of holies, it was absolutely crucial that he had the priestly garments on and that there was an anointing upon him. That blood had already the supreme sacrifice we know as Christ for us, but the blood had been shed. He entered in. Into the holy place and into the holy of holies. But he had to have the priestly garment and the anointing being upon him. Now we know we're priests. We've looked at it. We're priesthood of believers. We're called into the body of Christ. Remember the anointings never, ever, never upon the flesh. The flesh must be crucified and the lust thereof. The, the, all the things we know. Galatians 5. We know James chapter 3. All the verses that Paul is dealing with. The flesh. The, the lust and the malice. And the unforgiveness. And the pride and the gossip. And all the things. That's all the flesh. He says listen I have one answer for that. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Put it on the cross. Kneel it to the cross. But I have give you a garment. And I have a garment that you must put on. And it's a garment That gives you the authority that you can minister in the sanctuary. Isaiah 61, you have a garment. If you're saved in this room tonight, if you're born again, could you say amen for a moment? Praise the Lord. I just want you to affirm that you're saved. It's good to affirm you're saved, isn't it? It's good to let the devil know you're saved. If you're saved, say amen. And shout hallelujah if you're saved. Even better. Praise the Lord, it's good to be saved. But listen, this is so precious tonight. Isaiah 61, you bear with me, because there's so many battles go on in so many individual lives. And so often it's the devil trying to pull people into not feeling worthy, or not feeling that they are accepted, or not feeling that they have a purpose. I want to show you something, that every believer has been given the same garment That's important. Isaiah 61 and verse 10, the prophet says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with what? A robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. We, when we're saved, have been given a robe of righteousness. This robe gives you the right. Remember this. This robe gives you the right to minister in the sanctuary. The robe of righteousness that Jesus gives you. Here's the wonderful thing about this. This is so amazing. This is great. We've all got the same robe. Now, we're all dressed different tonight. My sister said to me, oh, you're looking very smart tonight. But listen, let me tell you something. It's nothing to do whether I have a suit on or whether I don't have a suit on. That doesn't determine anything about the robe of righteousness. You, when you're saved, have been given a robe. If you're young in this room tonight and you're saved, listen to me very carefully. You have exactly the same robe of righteousness that I have. Listen to me, friends, tonight. If you're in this room and maybe you're not feeling just on top form or feeling a little bit unworthy or don't feel it, you're like everybody else. I want to tell you something, friend, tonight. You have exactly the same robe on as the person sitting across the pew from you. Listen to me. This is so important because that worldly system tries to come into the church and tries to make it big people and we people. I want to tell you there's no big people. And there's no we people in the kingdom of God. Thank God tonight. Praise God tonight. We've all been given the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives us. It's all the same. It's all the same. We're all same. We're all blood-bought. We're all blood. I know there's diversities. I know there's callings. I know there's ministries. But ultimately, friends, it comes back to this one thing. The cross is a great leveler of all men. We've all bowed the knee at the cross of Jesus Christ. We've asked him into our hearts. He saved us. And he's all given us the same robe. That's a robe of righteousness. Years ago in Romania, when we were preaching, the way they'd done it, it was a particularly tight, Pentecostal church, and you weren't allowed to take your blazer off when you're preaching. And there was a man at the front. He started off preaching, and the way he went, it was summertime. It was warm. I mean, they talk about sweating. I was sweating even before I got up on the platform. But this is the way it worked. You see, he had the blazer on, and uh, you weren't allowed to have rings, and you weren't allowed to have any facial hair. It was one of those they had their own wee sort of setup going on. But that's fine. So the first man preached for about 45 minutes, and I mean he was ringing. And I turned up, and Andy Gray was there, Stephen was there, I think as well. I can't remember. Maybe we were split that Sunday morning. But on the on the we turned up in the shirts and just with a tie short. But you weren't allowed to preach unless you had a blazer on. So the next man up was Andy Gray, and when he took the jacket off, I mean it was dripping. And then Andy preached for about 45 minutes. And by the time I got around to it, this old rag of a blazer, I tell you, it was sticking to you. It was filthy. But friends, there's no hand-me-downs in the house of God. There's no things passed on. It's not me giving my blazer to James. It wouldn't fit him anyway. But praise the Lord tonight, we've all got the same robe of righteousness. And it's fresh and it's real and it's the blood of Jesus Christ tonight that's washed us all from our sin. And you have a right tonight to enter into the throne of grace. And the minister, you have a right. Listen, it's your right. It's your God-given right. This is your authority. Look over to Luke chapter 15 and 22. You know the story well. When the prodigal son came home and he didn't feel that he was... Worthy to be called a son, but this is what the father said to the servants. Luke 15 and 22, he said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Let me tell you something. Every person in this room that's saved has been given the best robe. It's the robe of righteousness. You've been given a robe. Look over at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, if you would. Philippians 3 and verse 9. And this is what it says Philippians 3 and 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by what? By faith. So let me encourage you tonight, saint and friend, who's saved in this room, who's washed in the blood, you've been given a robe of righteousness. And the reason you've been given that robe is the mercy of God in saving you. And the reason why you're still here is because God wants you to function, not on the basis of your own righteousness, which is off the law, If I really work hard and be good enough, one day I think I'll do a solo in church. Friends, if you fall into that, the devil's got you. Because you'll never be good enough. What has to happen is the revelation of this. It's not who I am, it's who he is. And it's his righteousness that makes me and gives me the authority tonight to stand in this platform. It's not because of anything of me. It's the righteousness of Christ that gives me the right to stand and to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. Whatever man may think, it doesn't really matter. He's given me his robe, but it's the best robe. Would you say, I have the best robe? Now say say it like you actually mean it tonight. I have the best robe. You do, friends. You have the best robe. It gives you the authority then to function. But you see, that robe came at a great price. See, sometimes the problem is we don't appreciate what we have, especially in the world we're living. It's a throwaway world, isn't it? We don't really appreciate things, just maybe like the older generation, they They recycled everything, kept everything going for years and years and years. Today, once it breaks down, it's out the door. But we need to appreciate so much the righteousness of Christ. Because it cost him everything. The Bible says in Matthew 27, 28, that they stripped him. They stripped him. You know, I thought on those words the last couple of days. And they stripped him. Do you know why he was stripped? So that you could wear his righteousness. He was naked. He was made a mockery. He was stripped of his dignity. That tonight by the grace of God. You have a standing at the throne of grace. Without fear. But boldly you can enter that throne room tonight. And find grace and help. In the time of need. The song says. Now I belong to Jesus. I'm a child of the king. I've traded my filthy garments for a robe of royalty. Think about it. Can you see it tonight? Can you look around the room? Can you see your, your brother or your sister? Can you see they're closed tonight in a robe of royalty? It's exactly the same one that you've got. And so the robe is the authority, but this is what's important. We have the same authority to function as everybody else. We know there's the diversity of gifts and ministries within that body. But what's crucial, having the robe of righteousness, what was crucial for the priest to enter in and to function? It was the anointing oil. You see, we need an anointing for it really to function. We have a right, but we need an anointing. And so the oil flows from the head, the beard and the garment, saturating the garment. Friends, wouldn't it just be a wonderful thing if the body was saturated with the anointing? I, I mean, not just a trickle, but I'm talking that it would be poured down from that head and that whole body was saturated. Think about it, saturated. What is the anointing doing? The anointing destroys the yoke. It destroys the yoke. That anointing, just like that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came down upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. There was an anointing upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And when the anointing was upon him, friends, when he went out to the giant, the giant's not a problem because he's anointed it wasn't, wasn't anything to do with how great David was. It was the anointing. It was the spirit of the Lord that was upon him. This anointing. The Bible tells us in John 3, 34. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. The Amplified says, for, for God gives the gift of the spirit without measure generously and boundlessly. It's faith in the righteousness of Christ that's imputed upon me that gives me a standing at the throne of grace. It is the anointing that enables me to function in that body, to supply into it. It is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Why do we need the anointing? Someone might say, well, I'm just happy I'm saved. I have a right standing before the Lord. Why do we need an anointing? Why why do we need the Holy Ghost? Here's why. Because this is what we're all about. Jesus said these words. I'm closing now. John 16 and 13. He said these words. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, this is the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Not shall he speak. He will show you things to come. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. We need to hear from the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be taught by the Holy Spirit. We need an unction, a fresh unction and a fresh anointing. of the. He's going to show us what tomorrow holds. He's going to show us what's happening in the nations. He's going to reveal to us through his word what has taken place in the nations. Forget about the newspapers and forget about all the radio programs and forget about all the news articles. The Holy Ghost is what we need. The Holy Ghost. He, verse 14 says this, He shall what? Glorify me. What's our whole purpose? What's the whole purpose of a belief? What's this all about? Why are you saved? Well, praise the Lord, I'm saved because I'm not going to hell. And Jesus loves me. That's true. He does. And he saved us from an awful hell. And he's going to bring us to heaven one day. But you know what our our lives, what the purpose of them are all about? What's it for? To glorify him. That's why we're here. That's what this works about. That's what this church is for. To glorify him. Now, how do we do that? We do that because there's an anointing. It's the anointing does that, friends. You see, the anointing, when it comes, you know, I remember David Wilkerson, he says, you nearly, you can't describe it, but you know it. Remember he said that when he talked about a fresh anointing all those years ago. I remember him saying, you know, it's not something that you can describe. But you know it when it comes. You can feel it. It's real. And we need that anointing. We need that anointing. He shall glorify me. There's only one desire. This is my desire. This is your desire. That we glorify him. That we glor- that our lives would glorify him. For he shall receive of mine... And he's going to show it all unto you. Isn't that an amazing thing? Thank God we have a right. A lot of people want to stop, but just that I have a right. That I'm saved. That I'm going to heaven. That my name's in the last book of life. that Thank God for that. We're to rejoice in that. But you know the function and what God has for us. Do you know what we need? We need the anointing. And maybe you say, well brother, I have the anointing. I want to tell you something. You need a fresh anointing. We need a fresh anointing. We need the Holy Ghost. You have a right, but you need an anointing. And it's never on that flesh. But I want to tell you something. If we just open our hearts and humble ourselves before Him, we can come boldly, but come humbly and say, Lord, would you saturate this body with the Holy Ghost? What would that look like? What would that feel like? i tell you, what would it smell like? The fragrance of Jesus. Is there anything that you would desire more than that? Than the fragrance of Jesus walking these very aisles, touching lives, taking the broken, the maimed, and doing something wonderful in their lives, and a fragrance comes from their lives. Their countenance changes. Is that what happens? They're different. They're different how we need a fresh anointing. If you need an anointing tonight, would you say amen? Amen. You believe this. I believe it. I know you do believe it. We believe for that fresh anointing. Let's stand together.